Welcome in to another edition of uh, Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Uh, today, uh, you know, we kind of continue uh, in, in the theme, uh, you know, the, of, of the last. You know, the last we kind of went into historic moments uh, in Rick and Bubba history. Uh, we, we, we've done guests. I mean, we're at episode, I think, 108 now. But, but today we're going to take a, a focus on really something that was requested from the audience to kind of go back behind the scenes to, to the guys that do the show. And there'll be some Rick and Bubba history in this, and and then obviously some history involving uh, uh, Greg, who joins me. Greg's going to be on this podcast. You know, Bubba's out with COVID, but he's working his way back. Uh, and uh, and and Greg and I have talked about this stuff on the air, and we had some uh, listeners of the show say, "Hey, why don't you guys do something that is like a behind the music of all the different bands you guys have, have been in, and then work our way to to the band that the Rick and Bubba fan became familiar with, the world's greatest garage band." Uh, that went on hiatus in 2003, sadly, and has never returned, uh, Mr. Lucky. And and we'll get ourselves to that. And, and Ryan Greenwood is even going to join us, who is a mm. former member of the Rick and Bubba team, but has got a, a musical history yeah. uh, with us as well. We we were all doing bands long before there was ever a Rick and Bubba show. and, and in, the, in the same area. In the same area. And we'll bring Ryan in not only to discuss some of that, but then obviously to get to when this Mr. Lucky thing uh, that Ryan and I had been, you know, kind of working with for uh, years before the show, and then how it became part of the show and and, and going forward. So we'll, we'll do all that on this episode of Rick and Bubba Uni- University, the podcast. So Greg, uh, let's first of all start with with the obvious, and you know, sometimes you and 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 me will kind of get talking to Adler, and you know, I can tell sometimes, you know, he he thought probably when he came here he wouldn't have any guys to talk about music with, and. And all of that, and before he knew it, I think he found some some probably maybe unexpected allies. Yeah, uh, with with us and, and and Adler, were you were you kind of uh, were you kind of surprised uh, when you started working here, and all of a sudden we started talking, you know, about about bands and, and music? Was was that surprising to you? Yeah, you guys came from that football background, yeah. and then pretty soon I was like, hey, these jocks can rock. <laughs> <laughs> but but it's funny you've almost now kind of opened the door for where I want to start. So so Greg and I obviously were raised in in into a, a football family. Our, our our dad a coach and at a game every Friday night during the fall. Yeah, and and so what, that was our life. You I and thought I, everybody went to game. You and I, you know, started um, in in sports and in football, and we loved it. Nobody pressured us to do that. Our, no, our, our dad. Not that kind of guy. He never did the. I'm a, I coach football, so y'all have to play football. Never had that kind of pressure. Never he had us out in the yard trying to force us to do anything. And um, so we did it of our own choice because uh, uh, we enjoyed football. We loved football, and and football was part of our culture. Uh, but surprisingly, uh, you and I also, from dad again. Mm-hmm. Unexpected uh, started developing a love and appreciation for music. Yeah, Dad. A lot of people. He had passions. Obviously, football. Yeah, hunting and fishing. Yeah, he, he took us a lot, and he was really into music. And in fact, he bought us. I remember it was our. We got one of them Wildcat uh, record players oh, yeah. for Christmas. Oh, yeah. And he bought it was Allman Brothers, Doobie Brothers, Grand Funk. I mean, all this great music. And we were kids. It was in the seventies. Yeah, and and we just fell in love with it. Yeah, I didn't. Leonard Skinner. Yeah, you know? I don't think that you and I. I didn't know. I didn't know anybody's dad 
that had gotten them the 45 of Grand Funk Railroad walked like a man. I'm telling you. I mean, did, 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 who, 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 what a great song. Whose dad gives them that for their record player? <laughs> uh, but, but, but then he also loved, and he had a tie to like three on a string, which was the first live music I ever saw. Yeah. You remember that? We would go yeah. to their house, uh, Jerry Ryan, and Brad was our age, so he wasn't in the band, obviously. He, we were just kids. But I remember that was one of the first things that made me want to learn how to play an instrument is when I saw three on a string play live music. So let's talk about that for a minute. I, I, I know because we kind of did this together. When was it for you when you started looking either on the stage, or you know, on the back of an album, or whatever, and thinking to yourself, "I would actually like to be in a band." Probably Kiss. Really? Yeah. yeah. When, uh, I, and I know it sounds hilarious, but there's a lot, actually a lot of people with that same story. But I remember uh, Bull, our friend Greg the Bull Olson. Yeah. Dear friend, he was no longer with us, but he's a great guy. He he had an older sister, so she was into Aerosmith, and all of a sudden he brought this Kiss Alive record down, and that blew me away. Well, I'll go all the way back. Believe it or not, and and we didn't know enough about music to know that there was already a band who had a really big hit named Ace. Yeah. Do you remember this? And they, they did the song, How Long Has This Been Going On? So for some reason, we didn't know that. And we had an imaginary yeah. band. So yeah. we had an imaginary band when we were real young that was nothing but us pretending to be a band. We would put on records and do concerts Yes, where we where we would let the, the music play, and we would pantomime, and yes. we would play air guitar, air drums. To nobody. To nobody, and we would pretend that there was a concert going on, and yeah. we would set up lamps for lights yeah. and all this. We were real young. And so it was you and me, Chuck Mason, yes. and Mickey Shadricks. Yes. And we called that band Ace. And yeah. we would and, and Chuck was an incredible artist. So he would draw fake albums oh, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. And so we thought, well, this is the coolest thing yeah. ever. And then somewhere along the way, we we started trying to say, Well, what if we could really play? Yeah. What 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 if what if we got real instruments? And tried to become a real band in our neighborhood, and and all of us, you know, grew up together. The four guys that started it, and we all just kind of said, like I said the other day on the air doing this show, think I'd like to play drums. Okay, Rick, you'll be the drummer. Yeah. Now, I had, now I had never played drums except pretending to play drums. You're right. And yeah. the first, I th- let me if I got it in order, I wanted I asked for a guitar for Christmas, and I got a J.C. Penney electric guitar. Yes, an amp. yes, I remember that. And I never really learned how to play it. I Fiddled with it. It yeah. kind of sat a while. And then Chuck started, our friend Chuck Mason, he got an acoustic guitar and started taking lessons. Well, then I got back interested, and he would show me chords, and we went from there. And then I remember us purchasing a $50 drum set. Yep. Do you F- remember that? 50 bucks. It did not have a snare. Yeah, it didn't have a snare. We it had, had one go, cymbal. We had to go find a snare. It had one cymbal. It had some some uh, floor tom and a couple of mounts. Yep. And then one cymbal. And and I did it have a high head or did I have to go get one of those too? I think it had one. It, it was it was no pretty, no it may not. It may, but anyway, so we set that up in my our parents had a living room that they I'm sure my mother wanted to develop into something else, and it became the band room. Or that's where the stereo was, where we did the fake concerts. Yeah, you know, if we weren't on the road playing another arena like our other friend's house, you yeah, know. But yeah. but but anyway, Touring. yeah, we were on our tour. But anyway, so. Then I we started thinking. Well, we need things. We need we need a guitar. And we we bought. We went. It was a actually cool PV yeah. double stack, right? With a with a head, a big PV amp with a, a Electra Les Paul copy. It yeah. looked like a Les Paul, but it's you know it's a copy. Yeah, it, much it cheaper. Was a yeah. Japanese copy or something. I, I that went, was the first what I considered real instrument I ever had. Now let me throw this at you. 
because our parents were like, if you guys want to try this rock and roll thing, we will not finance it. That's right. So y'all got to find a way to make this happen. I mean, you got the little JCPenney guitar yeah. set up with a little felt uh, amplifier, but mm-hmm. when it started getting serious, so we got the 50 bucks for the uh, drum, and then I think I went out and bought a snare from somebody for probably as much as the whole other drum set. Yeah. And then we realized we were out of money. Mm-hmm. But we needed these two <clears throat> two PV uh, speaker cases and the amp that went with it and the Les Paul copy guitar bought it all in one to complete the band. So we found some older kid, and he said, I'll sell it all to you for $750. And I went to the local bank, mm-hmm. and I financed $750 mm-hmm. and paid on it till it was paid off, yeah. and we bought our first equipment. Yeah. And uh, so, so at the time you were singing and playing drums, right? And I told Mickey was on bass and would sing, Mickey Shadrick. Yeah, Chuck Mason, who was the most talented one in the band, he was guitarist, and I was a guitarist. Yeah, that's before I switched to bass. Yeah, so we, so then, but the problem became we really wanted Mickey to be our singer because he had the better voice, but our PA system was so bad that you couldn't hear him. And if you remember, you guys were like, "Well, look, Rick's loud. No shocker there." Why That's basically do, it. Yeah, let him be the singer from the drums so we can at least learn the songs, and if we get a good enough PA, maybe Mickey can still be the singer. Yeah. And uh, so so, so that, that's how we kind of started, and uh, and we weren't talented enough to play covers. Do right, you remember the first gig? Uh, at uh, Cynthia East's birthday party? Out in the driveway of their house. Yes. Okay, we knew. We learned one song, You Really Got Me. Right. The Kinks originally did it, and we did the Van Halen version, well, that, minus the solo. Right. And uh, we knew that, and then we just knew parts of other songs, and we would just play parts yeah, of it. Yeah, we didn't play the whole songs because we didn't know we couldn't do those. <laughs> if there was a part in the song that was too complicated, we just would skip it. Yeah, and and so we just began to try to get somebody to let us play. Now, keep in mind, this whole time we're football players. Yeah. So there there becomes these guys that are actually really trying to train to be musicians, guys in the band. Who who almost begin to throw flags on us? Y'all can't be football players and do this. Yeah, yeah. And so we were like, yeah, I don't know who said that, but so we're 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 gonna we're gonna start doing it. And so I think at this point we move till we create the first real band. Yeah. Uh, and it was called Mystique. Yeah. And I never liked that name. Well, no, because it, it, it's like, now you realize it sounds like a perfume. It does. And, and I remember that the the, the joke from some of the other better bands were that we were a mistake, not yeah. a mystique. Yeah. And uh, and we were and at we, the time they were correct. we were pretty bad and but we didn't care because we thought we were awesome and you would Rick would book us in places <laughs> we had no business playing because he could talk his way into anything and and but I guess it made us better because I mean we we boy yeah. we were bad well everybody didn't want to practice until they found out I'd booked a gig and I said we better yeah you know and uh, and, and we would be like we're not ready and you go now nah, we're good. I'm like no look we just didn't use the so what we did at that point is we were so bad. Because we, you know, Chuck was the only one that had ever taken any lessons, and that he didn't do that very long. No, he's, and and, he's just talented. And the rest of us just would listen to music and try to figure out what they were doing. I remember going to a guy who was a drummer, and I said, "I have this drum set, but I don't really know what can I do to at least get through a song." And he showed me. I remember the the, the very yeah you know, the first and I and I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, so I could he goes, and you can pretty much they can build any song really around that if you just do different different tempos of that. Yeah. Uh, so and I, and I said, "Okay." And then I would listen to what I heard on the records, and I would try to find on the drums where that must be. Yeah. Uh, and then you were playing by ear and training mm-hmm. yourself to play. Yeah. And Chuck had learned a few chords, yeah, but we then learned the basic to, C, yeah. D, and G. And I still don't know where that. Mickey figured the bass out. I think he did the same thing. He did. 
And uh, and so we started doing original songs because yeah, we weren't good at covers. We weren't talented enough to play covers, so we wanted to play songs that you couldn't say we messed them up. Yeah, we wrote it. That's why we wrote it. So so what are y'all playing? Well, that's our song. Well, Correct. what what is it? I don't know, but it, it doesn't it sound awesome. And we weeded through a lot, but in the end, if you jumping ahead a little. The Mr. Lucky CD, which features some of our stuff and some of Ryan and his band yeah. and, and the stuff he wrote, a lot of them made it there, but we had a bunch that got weeded out. I think Slow Down was the first song we ever wrote. You yeah. remember that yeah, one? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I think that was the first one. It and was. Then we, but then it evolved like A.J. Miracles, awesome. which made. We were, what, 16, 15 when we wrote most of them. Yeah, that's the thing. If you have the, the you're part of the Rick and Bubba part, if you have the Mr. Lucky CD, and it's on Apple now, it's called Fat Chance. And we'll talk to Ryan here in a minute. What we really did was, and we'll tell you that story, but there are songs from those, from our parents' living room, the the, the first cut on Fat Chance uh, by Mr. Lucky, Age of Miracles is the name of it. Yeah. And, I, and I wrote the lyrics I can still see on, on one of Dad's coaching legal pads that he would put plays on, and you guys stood around and figured out a, a riff. I, I think I wrote, wrote the riff, and Chuck, he'd yeah. come up with the bridge and the yeah. chorus, and yeah. it was just – yeah, and that song's still pretty decent, I think. Yeah, and, and so that was written when we were just teenagers when we didn't know anything except let's put together some cool chords that sounds like a pretty cool song. And I knew we had something when one of the older brothers, our younger brothers, came over, Chuck's younger brother, remember that? Yeah. And he came in, and we were playing it, and he was like, oh, who's, who is that? And I said, well, that, that's something we just came up with. He was like, no, no, what, what band are y'all learning this song from? I said, there's no band. I said, this is a song we just did. Yeah. And he looked, he said, well, I'll tell you what, it's pretty cool. So, so that kind of had us in the mode of we were now kind of an official band, and when we come back, we'll tell you how the, the next step uh, the, the next step that, that comes up was a real monumental moment in our lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, a really, really monumental moment in our lives, and, and we'll talk about that when Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, continues. All right, so let's talk about Tommy John. Tommy John uh, has the most comfortable underwear that, that that we have ever put on. Now, they do stuff for women, too. So, women, they got some great stuff for you. But I want to talk about men because we normally don't care too much about what kind of underwear uh, that we that we wear. But here, Tommy John says that if, th- if this pair of underwear that we put on from Tommy John, and they're all great, if it isn't the most comfortable underwear that we've ever worn, then how about this? It's free. Think about that. It, it, the best pair you ever wear, or it's free. Now, do you think they have to refund a lot of pair of underwear? No. So, so this is how good they are. Now, Valentine's is coming up, and I will tell you this: ninety percent of men uh, and women love Valentine's gifts when they come from Tommy John. They don't have customers; they've got fanatics because it's so much better. Their loungewear makes you feel perfectly at ease every time you wear it. Uh, it's got it's got a soft tri blend and micro uh, modal fabrics for a four way stretch. Uh, and, and it doesn't matter what time of year it is, you, you feel comfortable. They, they, you realize they have 70 million pairs sold, uh, and, and Tommy John's made uh, couples across the country comfier than ever, and they'll do the same thing for you, and they'll do the same thing for your Valentine. So go get the best gifts for Valentine's by going to TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba. We'll get you 20% off, okay? That's TommyJohn.com slash Rick Bubba for 20% off, and the site has all the details. All right, so Rick and Bubba University, the podcast, we're back. This one is one that the audience kind of said at some point, won't you guys do it behind the music? People have heard, uh, Greg, you and me talking about music and bands that we played in, and I think sometimes people say, I really didn't see that coming from those two. And um, so we uh, we we had the band Mystique, and, and we started kind of putting together 
um, you know, to make a, a longer story short, we really started getting to go and play some gigs. I mean, we put together, you know, a New Year's Eve thing. We got a little better with covers because we learned to pick covers, covers yeah. that sounded like what we would play. Yeah. But we always played our originals in, in with the covers. Yeah, always. from the very beginning. and it just didn't say nothing. So I, I remember when I knew we thought we kind of had something, and you were talking about to me doing the marketing stuff, you know, my little P.T. Barn himself that we put together something at the local Civic Center one time because I was already saying, look, nobody really knows that we're not any good, and they don't know that we're just some local guys. So let's just start acting like that we're very successful and we're big time, and people want to come out and see what we're doing, and hopefully we'll be good enough that they won't matter, yeah. that they won't care. And uh, and we were doing pyro and some of the stuff we put together. I'm sure we that could have bad, burned yeah. the Civic Center down. Gunpowder and we, you know, hot wire. We were using gunpowder and hot wire. And In, we th- indoors. We would throw a charge to it and blow Boom. smoke out. And uh, and so we put together a New Year's Eve thing for for all the people of where we grew up in Oxford, Alabama, at the Civic Center, and we charge I think two bucks to come yeah. and put posters up everywhere, and and we come out and we've got over a thousand yeah. people there, and we're like, what in the world have we done? Kind of wish we were better. Yeah, I mean, we but, didn't but, have great equipment. Yeah, we we didn't have very good equipment, and because we couldn't afford it, and uh, and we put on that show, and it worked, and. Um, and people were into it, and so Ryan Greenwood, who who you know worked for the show for for years, uh, and uh, is 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 part of the whole Mister Lucky part that we're, we'll get into here momentarily, but but Ryan is is going to join us on on this edition of Rick and Bubba University the podcast. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. So at this time, Ryan, you 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 are you are going to high school just up the road from where we go to high school. You too are an athlete. You're playing football, baseball, basketball doing the whole thing, but you too love music and, and you're playing. Now, at this, th- th- when this Mystique thing was going on, were you already doing in a band as well? I, I was. It's so funny how our stories run parallel of how uh, we're, we're playing sports. Our parents said, hey, if you're going to do this music thing, you're going to have to pay for it yourself. And so I'm up and I'm I'm jamming with some guys uh, that you knew, uh, E. Smith. Yeah. And they had kind of introduced me to some of the the heavier stuff. But I'm hearing word of this band Mystique, okay, in, in the area. Bad and these name. big con- and, and, and these uh, okay, and these big concerts are having. Well, again, as as our stories intertwine, Chuck Mason, who was the guitar player, uh, his mom and my mom worked together, so they got to talking. Hey, my son plays guitar. Hey, your son, well, you know, we play guitar. Me and Chuck hooked up, and really, I became friends with Mystique through Chuck. Yeah, and Chuck and I was sharing guitar ideas back then. That you had bootlegs that you, videos and audios, and we were sharing those. And uh, and and I was wondering what is this big hype on this band? And I didn't get to come to some of the shows because we were probably we were probably playing a party for like I don't know ten people, (laughs) and y'all were playing you know the Civic Center or the uh, the Oxford Civic Center (laughs) that was full, and then we're back at a party playing for ten people, and probably one of the the guitars don't work because we couldn't find a power outlet. But (laughs) uh, but I'm 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 wanting to know more. Like I'm like who who is what is what's going on with this? You know, and I think I I, at some point I came to one or two practices. Yeah, just kind of hung out over the side, and I thought, wow, Rick's real loud. You know, yeah. wow, he's loud. Real, 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 wow, real loud. he's obnoxious. Wow, he's obnoxious. But I, I couldn't take away, but he's a really good front man, you know. Because yeah. by then, we had transitioned, you know, not to waste too much time. Rick came out from behind the drums, went out front because he he just, you know, he was a great showman. And, and like I said, you could hear him, and he had no inhibitions. I mean, he was just working the crowd. Oh, no. no I moved none. the bass, and we brought, at that time, Jamie Clark in as a drummer. Yeah, I'll tell just a quick nutshell. So we we were still trying to have me on drums and singing from the drums. 
And uh, but you were like in a cage, man. Right, I was in a cage. Out. Yeah, and I was not very good at either. And so we we were down in Panama City, and we had decided that on two songs that I was going to go the front, and that was Quiet Rights, Metal Health, and Come On Feel the Noise. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and and Greg would go to drums because we ha- we were a two guitar band at that time. Well, I went out front and uh, and and just had got the crowd going crazy with that Quiet Right stuff. It was when it was at its height of its popularity, yeah. right before the police uh, shut us right down. Right before man. the police shut us down, back to be, <laughs> sure. back, back to being loud again. And so when that when that show was over, the guys said, "Look, we're going to go get a drummer. You're the front man. You're done with the drums." And then after that gig, Mickey left the band. Uh, and and then Greg says, well, look, I'll just start playing the bass. We'll go to be a one guitar band. Rick's the now the lead singer, and let's go hire. And we did. Jamie Clark was the first one. Uh, and then brought a, a keyboard player, a, a drummer, and let's get a keyboard player because uh, we we'd had one that had been in the band that decided he was going to leave too. Yeah, we went through a lot of keyboard players, and then we were kind of you know we we were ready to to take on the world, and um, and we were going to cut. Um, I mean, we had some originals. And we were going to a guy came and saw us play. We played some gigs, and we had some good ones in Panama City. Yeah. And and a guy saw us there, and he came up and he was talking to us, and he said, "I, I really want to take y'all to New Orleans and let y'all record at River City Studios. I think you should record some of these songs." Yeah. And in those days, it was different. You couldn't just go record and put your music out to the world if you yeah. didn't have a, a, a recording deal. You know, which they, you know, those were very hard to come by. No, that 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 was the that, that was the progression back then. You you had a band, you started playing around town, yeah. playing gigs, and then somebody would come see you and recognize you, and then they would try to you would try to work out an arrangement to get some type of recording done. Yeah, and he said, "Look, for what you may lack musicianship, you guys showmanship and the way you work with the audience and the thing with the original songs, I think there may be something here." And if you remember, we had been to two different home studios. And we thought that was cool. Yeah. You know, there were some home studios around where we <laughs> right. lived. Right. We well, just the fact in, you had something recorded, you could go back and listen to yeah, it. Exactly. It's kind of somewhat yeah. clean. Yeah. yeah. And we go to this one in New Orleans or Baton yeah. Rouge, where it was, but that yeah, was Rouge. a professional studio. I'd never seen anything like it. So the, at that point, I mean, it was, you know, of course, back then everything was on tape, but yeah. we were in the booths and in the, I mean, it was exactly like you see when you see people recording. And it was, it was awesome. And and we, we really think it's, it's, a, it's happening for us now. And, and we go down and record. Three songs. I think we recorded what Age of Miracles, She's Gone, and Not Looking Back. Yep. Yeah, and th- those are the three. One, three. You that had, now, please tell me y'all did record Stormy Weather then. I th- we may have. We may have. We I, think I think you did. did. I think you did. Greg's going to don't open that door. Don't open. You're right. No, you're right. And if you think about it, best hidden, best B side out there. No, no. If, just think about it. Then the three songs I just mentioned all make it to the Mr. Lucky Fat Chance CD. Yeah. They all three do. Now, yeah. Stormy Weather doesn't, which is a controversial. I, I fought for it. I I know, fought for I it. We almost fought. We almost literally fought for it. And if you'll remember, Rick, one of our last keyboard players had left before we were going to Louisiana, and we hired a guy, Lewis Watson, and we said, oh, by the way, we're going to record in Louisiana. So he jumped right in, and, yeah. and I don't even know if we played a live gig before. He because you remember Keyboard 2, Keyboardist 2, Alan Renfro, said he would not take that step. That's right. Remember, he said, I went up to the mountain, Chihau, another, yeah. and he said, I just don't, I'm not going to take that step. Of course, this Lewis Washington shows up and said, I'll go wherever y'all going. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so, for the record, Alan, Little Alan, Lewis Alan, Watson. Alan was probably one of the best musicians that I've ever He was. Around. But he was saying, Look, I, I can't, I got to have more stability. I'm not going to go and go on the road. Because yeah. uh, yeah. we were about to go full time. Full time, this is what we're going to do. So when we come back, um, uh, unfortunately, uh, a tragic event happens, but m- might have been a blessing in, in disguise. Uh, and then we'll tell you about that transition, and then we'll work our way to 
this album that uh, that and with Mr. Lucky and it's tied to the show and 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 Fat Fest and how all that took place when Rick and Bubba University the podcast continues. All right, so let's talk a little bit uh, um, uh, about um, you know great food. Uh, if I talk about bacon, I probably have everybody's attention right out of the gate. Uh, so if you are have ever, have you ever been and joined the Moink movement? When I say Moink, it's just M O I N K. Go to moinkbox.com/bubba right now, and uh, we're going to you know show you some of the best bacon that you've ever tasted in your entire life. But also today, we want to talk about their steaks. Their steaks are fantastic. Uh, and right now, if you go to moinkbox.com slash Bubba, uh, you go there, we'll get you flea, I mean free, I almost said it together, filet mignon, and you get it for a year. So for a year, Moink is going to give you filet mignon at, at no charge, and you'll find out how great their steaks are. Uh, and they really are delicious. And if you're not part of the Moink movement, can we just tell you to go ahead? Everything is grass-fed, grass-finished beef, lamb too, uh, and they've got pastured pork and chicken, wild-caught Alaskan salmon directly to the door, helping family farms become financially independent outside of big ag. But what's our benefit? Great food, fresh food that is good for us. Uh, if, you, if you saw them on Shark Tank, when they brought the bacon over to Kevin O'Leary, he said it's the best he's ever had, and I agree with him. So why don't you go right now? We'll give you free filet mignon for a year by you going to uh, Moink Box. That's M-O-I-N-K, moinkbox.com, slash Bubba. All right, so we're talking. Uh, this is a little behind the music on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast. Ryan Greenwood has now joined us because Ryan was part of this. We knew Ryan Greenwood long before he uh, he was working with the Rick and Bubba show, and we were all playing in bands and played at rival high schools. And so uh, the band that was Mystique. So we had the fake band that was our pantomime band Ace. Yeah. Then that transitioned into a real band called Mystique. When we were going to record, uh, you know, a demo to see if we had the chance to maybe be able to record an album, uh, they told us that the name Mystique was not available. It was already copyrighted, and we couldn't use it. So we're literally about well, to leave. I was glad. Yeah, I was too. We were about to leave on the airplane to go to New Orleans to go to Baton Rouge and record, uh, and and we were told you better get a new name before you get here. Uh, and so we, I remember sitting around. Uh, we had a guy that was saying, "Hey, I'd kind of like to try to be the road manager, Jerry yeah. Patterson." And Jerry's like, we got to come up with a with a name. I honestly, Greg, don't know how we came up with the name. I don't even know what it means. Uh, so we're sitting there, and I said, uh, what do you think about Silent Rain? And we spell rain, R-E-I-G-N. Not, not like R- rain, the rain, but it, like rain. Yeah, not R-A-N-A-I-N. Everybody's like, why? I said, I don't know. I just think that's kind of cool. And I was a fan of two-name bands. Yeah. You had two names. Yeah. yeah so Yeah, now that did lead to us playing a lot of places that put Silent Rage on the marquee yeah. and stuff like that. But, Death but, metal. But it was Silent Rain. So we record these songs. We're getting some pretty good feedback. We go back to, to, to start trying to play gigs, and then Chuck Mason – who was our lead guitar player. Your best friend since we were children. Best friend since we were children. You and he were extremely close, and so was I. I mean, yeah, we were all, me and him were the same age. We were all very, very close. He started complaining what, that he had something in his, his chest that yeah, was hurting. Yeah, we started making fun. He, he worked for Coca-Cola, I think, then, and he, he thought he pulled something yeah. at work. So and he, we were making fun of him, of course. So he goes, and for time we'll have to shorten it, but you can imagine the trauma. He finally gets diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Uh, and we're trying to make a decision whether we're going to be a full-time band now and be based out of New Orleans. I think then they want us to move there. Yeah. And and we find out now that he's got to have cancer treatments uh, if he's going to survive. Uh, and and I know for you that was a big moment. 
Yeah, it was. And once he went through streamers, remember, we kept playing. Yeah. And he went with us. And, yeah. you know, he would have times when he didn't feel good. Then he would have good times. So we kept playing up to the point that, it, you know, it got to that it was going, that, you know, this thing's not going away. But do you remember you were telling me that you were praying about whether we should do this yeah. thing? Yeah, absolutely. Whether, oh, yeah, that part. Yeah. Because it was a big decision. I had a job, a good night's job with a good future. And I was like, man, I, I was just praying. I need, I need a sign or something, what I need to do. I don't know about this son, but anyway, right. But right after that, he got diagnosed, and uh, I thought, well, I guess that's it. I said, I ain't going nowhere, you know. Uh, evidently, well, I'm not supposed to go there, right? So that door that opened, which considering we were heading to probably one of the most evil places on earth, is probably probably was God. Well, and we also were not. Uh, I mean, we believed in in Christ, and we were raised in the church, but at that time of our lives, yeah, that's true. Us living in New Orleans. I mean, we may not be sitting here right now. I know. Yeah, yeah it, it was not a good it was not a good time for us as people probably to be given that opportunity. But I truly believe that directly from from yeah. that. So sometimes we look and think that Chuck's earthly death may have saved our lives, and uh, so we changed everything, and now went back to just being a part time band, mm-hmm. so he could get his treatments. And we ended up winning the Seagram's Talent Search is the you know one of the best new bands to come out of the South, which was kind of cool. Yeah, we we entered that because those kind of things we thought well we could do this you know oh, and yeah. still. And um, and so that was another great thing. But once Chuck died, you made your decision that, yeah, was I was kind of, done. that that was it for you. And I did the, what I was supposed to do, and I thank the Lord happened. I right. married my wife, Lisa, who we'd been dating since we were kids, and we had our family. Yeah. And I cut my hair, and I was a lineman, right. Alabama Power. Right. So I was out. So And like I said, it was which obviously was the best thing that ever happened to me. So, so I got my out of it. for my family. Yeah, I got out of it. I remember you and I sitting there talking to mom after his funeral, and we were like, we're done with this. And so I went into radio pretty hard and heavy at that time. You went into the Alabama Power Company. But then there were opportunities for me that were probably not wise, but uh, I, was, I, was, I was asked to be the lead singer of a really hard band called Vindicator. <laughs> yeah, I remember that band. And I made the decision to try to be the lead singer of Vindicator while doing morning radio and, and trying to have kids. And I was just, it was just, um, it, was a, it was not the best of moves. It's not a good mix. That's like yeah. when, I, when I cut it loose and decided to have yeah. my family, I said, there's no way this could No. You know. Well, and also, in all fairness, they, they, were, they were a cover band. They weren't trying to do anything yeah, original. Yeah, just for and, fun, give you your outlet and, for music. Yeah, but not, it was not as big a commitment. But it was the wrong thing to do, and they were very talented guys. Oh, yeah. But, again, not exactly uh, much help in your spiritual life. No. So, uh, so I left that band, and then I started doing radio. And uh, and got a job at, at K98, an FM station, and I was approached by a guy that ran a bar, and he said, didn't you used to have bands? And I said, yeah. He said, what do you think about putting together a band where you can be on the air, promote stuff down here at the club, and y'all kind of be our house band, for lack of a better term? And and this is where Ryan Greenwood comes back uh, in, into our life. Ryan, how in the world did I end up, you and I end up in the first edition of Mr. Lucky? Well, you, you may not remember, uh, it kind of ties to, you know, that time you were busy, uh, hardest working man in the radio, I think. Oh yes. Uh, you were doing a lot of remotes. You were doing a remote at an Otasco. Wow. Uh, and we bumped into each other and we'd always said, but once we established uh, the friendship and the connection from the sports and over into the band and into mystique and silent rain, Hey, we need to get together. We need to jam. We need to get together. We need to jam. And we bumped into each other and you said, Hey, I, I got this potential opportunity for this, this kind of semi house band. And I'm like, no, no, no. I just came off the road, uh, played on the road. I, I'm kind of back in school. Uh, I'm going to finish school. I'm like, I, I can't, and you're like, no, no, no. Just trust me. I'm, I'm in the same boat. 
Like this, this won't be much. Like maybe once a month, maybe once a month we'll play. And uh, so I said, well, what's, what's, you know, kind of what's, what's, what's the gig, what's going on? And you were like, well, actually we need a rhythm guitar player and keyboard player. He's like, you play both of those. I'm like, yeah. He's like, sing backup. I said, once a month. Okay. okay, That sounds like fun. I love music. Uh, So I was in, I was in at that point. Yeah. And so we started playing as the house band at a club. There's a key, there's a key phrase there too. I don't know if you'll bring up, but I came in as the rhythm guitar player and keyboard player, not the lead that? guitar player. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that is true. Ooh. Uh, and so we start this band. We're in with some pretty great musicians, and and I actually think oh, awesome. I think it was one of them. I think it was John Chevalier that came up with Mister Lucky, right? Yeah. I, I think you and John it, it tossed it yeah, around, yeah. and uh, I think at one of the first rehearsals we we went to. We kind of threw it up again. Everybody's like, sounds cool to me. Let's roll with it. Yeah, and so we went and we played and we we started getting opportunities. And then what what everybody wanted, it started getting tied to the show more and more. Not the Rick and Bubba show because that hadn't existed yet. And uh, but but the you know morning extravaganza and what we were doing on the show because we so we had our own marketing and we were drawing some really big crowds to these. Oh, you were you were master sales. I mean, you yeah. you could you could find us a gig, much like Greg telling to. I mean, you could find us a gig in a heartbeat. Oh my god! Yeah. Sometimes at was, least y'all were qualified to play them. Yeah, we, we weren't <laughs> barely, but yeah, <laughs> we couldn't even tune. So Greg it, had us booked at some yeah restaurant or something. So then I remember. So the band is going, and and I'm kicking around in my radio career on the side, and so we end up. You know, getting going to Q104, keeping the Mr. Lucky thing going. And then that's where Bubba, of course, is the engineer. And Bubba, I remember, came to see us play a few times and all that. And so we were approached by the general manager, Mark the Hammer Bass. And, again, this word gets out. What is this thing with Burgess and, and bands? And you know, and Greg wasn't in this. He he decided you know he wasn't going to be in it and all that. It's we, about a nine-year We tried. Year we tried. Yeah. yeah, we tried. We tried. And, and he made the right decision. Uh, and, and so he, uh, so, uh, you know, and he was a master promoter. So he finds out there's some original songs laying around. So Ryan, you were writing songs. Were any of these songs used by any of the bands you played in or was yeah, this your, actually, actually the band overdrive I was in. And then, uh, the, that band kind of morphed into rock school. Yeah. Uh, we actually played most of these, uh, maybe not all, but, but most of them, uh, in that band. So I, I know out of the blue was the first one that really made it on stage and we actually started performing. Yeah. So, so it, you know, it was there. So when you get the, the CD fat chance, if you got it, or you're one of these people that have heard us play and in iTunes. iTunes, it's out there now, it's either a song that Greg and I wrote with our first bands or it's a song that Ryan wrote and, and played in his bands. Yeah. And so we just, yep. so we sat down. I don't remember. I remember, I remember the process of you and I trying to figure out which ones to put on there. I remember that. Right. What I can't remember right. is the first time that I came to you and said, hey, we need to do an original album. You got songs. I got songs. Let's figure out what we want to put on there. Do you remember how that happened? It, it, it did. It, it was a conversation. I was excited. I was leery because, we again, we all had different schedules and how do we pull this off? And then we started, you know, how do we, you know, what songs? We started laying out songs. Okay, here's songs I've got. Here's songs we got. We got to find demos of them or some version of them. And let's just see what's a good fit. And I, I, I won't lie, Stormy Weather made my cut. Right. Uh, Sorry, it, Greg. It, 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 I know. Nah. I know. Those of you who don't started, know, Greg, Ryan thinks Stormy Weather was a great song. That, it's not bad. That Greg and I wrote with our friends in the first band we were ever in, Mystique. And 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 Ryan has been trying to bring it into the Mr. Lucky catalog, and Greg resists. 
Uh, yeah, it, it, Greg's, I, Greg's big thing was it's got two chords. I said, look, Van Halen's ain't talking about love. That's true, and it's the exact same two chords. But right. yeah, it is the exact same two chords. <laughs> and, and I, look, I, I've tried to, the to get us to play it. It almost got the two of them in a fight. It wasn't coming together very well. And I thought we're wasting right. time, yeah. but it stormy I, weather I, didn't make it bottom line. I, I, I've made at least five different arrangements to try to appease Greg to get out. I, I've added chords to it, add a, bri a different bridge to it, uh, a recourse to it, everything to try to get it in. And Greg would, would still, he go, that sounds pretty good, but no, no, we ain't doing it. We All right. We'll come it. back and we'll talk about how the one and only CD, the one and only, from the world's greatest garage band, Mr. Lucky, was launched. When Rick and Bubba University, the podcast continues. All right, so, Ryan, we, we, we get together, and we put together the, the song list. But now the only members of the band that still exist are you and me. Right. Uh, you right. know, so, so we're like, well, we right. got to put together a band, because Mr. Lucky, the club band, had kind of broke up. It had, yeah. It kind of, it kind of waned and faded. People yeah. would go in different directions, and obviously, as you get older, you get bills. So, hey, yeah. you want to eat, right? So we figure we'll hang on to this name because at least we built some kind of following with it. Let's don't start over. And we with had a logo too. We, we had, had a logo yeah, too. Yeah, pretty cool logo. logo. Good shirt. I like our logo. Good shirt. And so we get the the songs that we're going to do. We find demos of them, but we realize we've got a singer, and we've got a guitar player. That's all we have. And Greg said, look, I don't think you you, you couldn't talk to, uh, no, devote the time to it because we I came tried. back to you. So the time I plus, plus, I hadn't played in nearly 10 years at that point. I said, guys, studio time, I'm going to be in there messing up until I get back in the groove. So you, and we can't afford to waste money on studio time with Greg over clunking around. Right. You know. So and we I, can, I knew I wouldn't qualify. So we can say this now. So Mark Phillips, who, who just you know uh, one year ago uh, passed away, by the way, the year anniversary has hit us. Mark Phillips, who had all this great musical background and had a tremendous studio, he produced the CD. So he said, I'll play keyboards. Now think about this. He'll play keyboards and sing backup vocals for us, which is hilarious. I mean, he had top right. 40 okay. hits. That's remarkable. He had, he had top 40 hits. And, and then we contracted out members of Brother Kane, yeah. yes. the rock band yes. that, that was yes. huge for a while. And so, yeah. and I can't remember their names. I'm I so sorry. But it didn't take very many cuts. To get it, done. Uh, the, the, it was the the rhythm guitar player David Anderson came over. That's right. And and played bass. And Scott, oh, I can't think of his name. He's Collier. Uh, Scott Collier. Collier. I think that's it. That's yeah. it. He Drum, played real drums. good, drummer. outstanding really drummer, good drummer for Brother K. Both of them just really talented musicians. Yeah. I mean, way 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 above us. And I, this, mean, I remember yeah. when, when we started, we got in the studio and. and so we gave, we give them the, the demos of the songs that we have. Uh, they tab it out. And so they come in and when that, when that, when we start the first, so here we go, you know, to, to, and we start the first song, we realize real quick, they're playing it better than we're playing. Oh, like yeah. They know, they know our song by far. Than we do. I, I mean, and that's first time I realized there's another level. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. We literally gave them cassette tapes, videotapes. None of it was written. Yes. They go right. away and they come back and they they've got the songs better than we know them. Yeah, they're waiting right. on y'all. Yes, oh definitely. And they're asking us questions about right here. We're gonna do this right here. Me and Rick looking to like, if it sounds good, if it sounds good. Sure. It is good, yeah. right? Let's go with it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking all along. Right, right. And, I've always uh, wanted to add that. You know, so on, so we go in the studio. Mark Phillips. We find out. Hey, he he's gonna get it right. Hey, yeah. he, hey, oh, yes. hey, he'll make you do it again. 
Yes, he, yes. He, that's he, not your that's not your gig either. You're that, you're more one take Rick. Yeah, so, that yeah. Uh, yeah. You were not a t- you you were not ready for that. You really wasn't you weren't vibing with that. Now, and me being a little more perfectionist, you know, I was like, okay, I can. You know, he's like, you can do it better. You can do it better. And I'm like, okay, as long as long as we're in budget, let's go. Let's roll again. So we put together this because uh, we're running out of some time here. We put together Fat Chance, nine original songs. We get it released, and of course, you know, once again. Go back, go back to when we were little boys, Greg. I put together a deal with Blockbuster Video because they were yes, doing. Video. I forgot about they that. Were do, they were doing. They were doing. They were doing videos and CDs then. Yes. And they launched it at Blockbuster locations all over the nation. I forgot about that. And then we. And their it, logo may be on the. It, may it be was. On the CD. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I got a call by the way from a record company says, "Who are y'all?" And I said, "I said, what are you talking about?" He goes, "What is this CD y'all selling? We're looking at the scans." And it's like, what are you? And when I told him that we were, I was like a radio show, and we had a band, he kind of went, oh, okay. You know, at first, I think he was kind of interested. And then he was like, wait a minute, what, what are y'all yeah, doing? This is just your fans, your show, mine. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and this so. Is the Rick Day's Disco Duck. Come on. So, and, then, and then the good news is so we said, well, you got to do a tour to support your, your, your CD available at Blockbusters everywhere. And uh, so we went back to Greg and said, hey, man, this is your chance. Because Brother Kane's not going to tour with us. No. They have their own gig. So so we, so we need a bass they're, player. They're touring with Van Halen, so they're kind of busy. Yeah. So. yeah, so we need a bass player. Come back. And uh, and you agreed to come back. I did. I talked to Lisa about it. And the kids were – Taylor was probably, I don't know, five, yeah. six, maybe a little older than that. And uh, and Chandler was a baby. And and I was like, look, it's we play once a week when we play. There's no three nights in a row. There's no, there aren't bars. These are theaters. Yep. And I think, you know, because I would have never went and just got a No, well, and, we, we had all gotten right. our lives and, spiritually straightened out at that and point I was right? like, and started the process. I, I think this will be fun. I make a little money. And, uh, and, and of course, she was supportive. She always loved the music. She loves the original songs. And, uh, and even Taylor, when he was little, you know, he was this real outgoing kid. He would come out on stage with us and sing a song every now and then. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And pump the crowd up. So, so we went on that mini tour, and it was great. And then that led to you know some other stuff, and and, and like y'all were mentioned, playing with those guys in the studio. I will say this: just me playing live in this band. I played with Mark Phillips, who was just incredible. Kevin Derryberry, who I idolized coming up, you know, yeah, when we yeah. were getting in bands because they were the top dogs. Yep. And Damon Johnson to, to play yeah. with those, I, and I was so far in over my head, but it was just an honor, and it was incredible to watch them. Yeah, and and we have a successful tour. We're doing theaters, so we're not, you know, we're our lives have been straightened out spiritually. You know, still got some work to do, but but we're not playing dives and and stuff like no, that anymore. And everybody's clean, and and we're playing original songs. Yeah, and, all originals, and, all originals. Yeah, and, we threw a few covers at Fat Fest because yeah, we had to, had to play longer. <laughs> yeah, and then and then right. we, and then Fat Fest showed up, and and you know here, here I go again, PT Barnum, and I get with Gary Weinberger, and he's like, why don't y'all put together something to involve in your mm-hmm. show? And I said, I don't know how we would draw. So we we and the Rick got, and Bubba audience yeah, just uh, never they never let us down. So what Uh-oh. we did, and and one thing that we have to tell everybody, so it, during the recording of the Fat Chance CD, we started saying, look, let's tie this more and more to the show. We brought Bubba in and let him do background vocals. He would, yeah, yeah. and yeah. even yep. featured him in a couple of songs during the show. Yeah, the famous "Rub It In." Yep, which was oh. a classic. So we started yes. incorporating Bubba in the band. Now he didn't really know what to do, but but, but what he did, he he did he did well. He hit ten smiles to the audience. Hit, yeah, we did all kinds he of stuff. Would. So we go out to an amphitheater as the headline band. Great. Yes. Headline. Don't miss that. The headline, headline band of a outdoor festival of comedy and music. And we step out on that stage and there's eight thousand people. 
and in the amphitheater. And, we were, and I remember the the promoter walked over and says, "What are y'all doing?" Uh, and I was like, "I don't know, <laughs> man. Audience, yeah. man." And the Rick and Bubba audience uh, really came out, and we we did uh, that uh, for uh, an, uh, as an annual event from '99 to 2003. Yeah, and uh, yep. and then uh, 2003 was the last one, and uh, you know, Ryan, I guess I'll ask you the question. The audience keeps asking, "Will there ever be a Mr. Lucky reunion tour?" Uh, you know, y'all, y'all were going to do the, the I wouldn't know how to hold the show that, that y'all were going to do for the show. Y'all were going to do a, the, another one of those, and there was there was there was a talk. I guess it can leak out that there was talk of Mr. Lucky maybe maybe coming together and doing a few songs at, at that. So yeah, it would probably take some kind of event like that. To start it, uh, it could potentially. It's got potential, you know. If, if Sherry lets you still sing in your in your uh, ACDC voice, yeah. um, <laughs> and, uh, I would I think that's going to be required for yeah. most of yeah. our songs. Yeah. Uh, getting that by but, uh, and I'd have to go back to Greg's house. Like yeah, I do you remember before, that? I was supposed to bring that up when I joined. Yeah. Ryan's job was to teach me all the the new originals. Yeah, that I didn't know the stuff he had written. No, mostly. Greg, I had to teach you your own originals. I know too, that, that too. Yeah. That too. Yeah. Then again, you're right. But he would drive to my house in the middle of the week. Yeah. And we lived an hour yes. and, or more. Yeah, I was in Birmingham. He was still worried. And that then night. I would drive over there every now and then, and we worked it up. And I messed yeah. up a few times, but it, it, it came right. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had fun. Just grin. Well, just great. grin. Just smile. This has been great to remember, man. Maybe we can do even more. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate you checking in on, on such short notice. Greg, it's been fun to look back on this. Yeah, story. it is. It, 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 the story is so much longer, and there's so many people we ain't got time for it. But yeah. but it's, it was a it was a large part of our life. It, it really was. was. We, we we could do another one later that, that just dives just into Mr. Lucky and just yes. the fat yeah, like, stuff around. Look, look at look at OGB's pick right there. There it is. Sent me a picture the other day. Cassidy, uh, she's taking a music class. Is yeah, that she's right? taking a music class and using one of my guitars. She Ryan's pick, daughter. And the one she chose, she didn't she didn't choose one of my picks. She chose, she chose Greg's pick. That's there you true. go. Well, she's smart. So, yeah. Ryan Greenwood, thanks a lot. To thanks, Greg. guys, for having thanks, me. Buddy. Thank you, guys. And thanks to all of you. And you can go get uh, th- those nine songs that uh, we told, t- told you all the story behind that on iTunes. Uh, you search Rick and Bubba, Mr. Lucky, you'll find them. And thanks for being with us on this edition of Rick and Bubba University, the podcast.